You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. to God. But the next thing they had to do, they had to obey the Word of God. They received it. They understood it. They got cut to the heart. They were convicted. They confessed. And now they have to follow the Word of God. It's one thing to understand the Word of God. It's one to rejoice over the Word of God. But if we cannot apply it to our lives, we miss out on what God has for us. God wants us to be able to apply the Word of God to our lives. When you read the Word of God, does it change you? God's Word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's meant to cut into our souls, refining us with its conviction and comfort. In today's message, Pastor Dave will teach you that a changed life is a result of reading, understanding, and obeying God's Word. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 as he begins his message, Reading and Understanding the Word of God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, as we come now to you, we ask, Lord, that you would touch our hearts with your word. We ask, Lord, that your word is going to accomplish in us what you have sent it out to do, that your spirit would move among us and give us understanding of your word. Your spirit would help us to clarify things in your word, and your spirit would help us to know you even better through your word, know what you require of us. Know the things that in our hearts that you're asking us to be obedient to. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this time we have. I ask, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to the churches. I ask, Lord, that you would remove all distractions, that we might study your word with joy and gladness of heart. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we began studying in chapter 8, the walls of Jerusalem had been completed, And the gates were now hung in place. All the material needs of the city have been met. Something was missing. Something was amiss. God had supplied all their needs. God had provided all the necessary workers to accomplish the great work that he had called Nehemiah to do. God had been faithful to Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem. He made it clear that people were trying to hurt them, and he gave Nehemiah discernment, and he exposed the various tricks of the enemy, giving Nehemiah both discernment and wisdom. We remember that Nehemiah was a man of prayer and constantly went to the Lord in prayer, asking for wisdom, asking for help, asking that the Lord would guide him and lead him. And remember, Nehemiah wasn't one of long, arduous prayers. Nehemiah was one of what we call telegraph prayers. Lord, help me. Lord, do what you need to do here. And he just prayed these prayers, and he just threw them out there. And I love that. It shows that although it's great to spend a long time in prayer, please don't get me wrong here. It's great to spend a long time in prayer when you have that time. 
It's great to be in prayer and, and spend that time just rejoicing in God and praying to him. And it's wonderful. And we do that on Sunday nights. It's great to be in prayer. But you know, when you're in the midst of a hard time and things are going wrong and things are coming against you, sometimes that little quick boom prayer does a lot for you and helps you. So that's what Nehemiah did. But Nehemiah also knew that it was time to focus on spiritual needs. Nehemiah knew it was time to focus on spiritual needs because he knew that in order for the people of Israel, in order for the people of Jerusalem to continually get the blessings of God, they now must focus on God. God had helped them mightily and he had called them to himself and now they needed to focus on him. Both Nehemiah and Ezra knew that if the nation would put God first above all else, that blessings would continue to come their way. How does that relate to the New Testament? A verse that we constantly talk about, a verse that we constantly tell you about and ask you to look at. Anybody have an idea? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added afterwards. Seek first the kingdom of God. Nehemiah and Ezra both knew the importance of the word of God. They knew the importance of God himself. They knew the importance of seeking him. And Matthew's recording Jesus' words. Remember, they were talking about what to eat, what to wear, and all those kind of things. And they went through that whole list. And Jesus finally says, don't worry about those kind of things. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is for the day of its own trouble. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's a two-part thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness. What does that mean? That means living a holy life as best as you can. Living unto his word, following his word, taking his word and putting it in your heart and following what he wants you to do as you seek him with all your heart. So that's what's happening here. That's what's happening here in first thing. Now, Nehemiah and Ezra also understood that teaching and reading and understanding the word of God would help meet the spiritual needs of the city. They knew the value of the word of God. And that's one of the reasons why we teach it so much here at Calvary Chapel. In almost everything that we do, even on prayer, on Sunday nights, we go through a psalm. On Monday night, they're in Ephesians. We're back in Romans on the men's study. Here we are. We're in Revelation of Jesus Christ on Sunday night. And any other Bible study, Ruth was in a Bible study. She was doing Psalm 119. Everything we do here is based on the word of God. Because that's what we need in our lives. We need the word of God. And we need to accept it and receive it. So what did they do? They got together and basically they held a Bible conference. Yeah. That's what they did. They held a Bible conference. They all got together. Nehemiah and Ezra held a Bible conference. They gathered everybody together. All who could hear and understand. Which means they probably were anywhere from junior high school age up. All who had understanding. And this is one of the reasons why we said that we have a children's ministry. So that children can be taught the word of God at their level. And that's what's important. Them understanding their level. So they gathered everybody. And Ezra read the law of Moses. And while Ezra read from time to time, the Levites went through the crowd and they gave understanding to what was written. Let's read verses 1 through 8. Now, all the people gathered together as one man. 
We talked about that. There was unity. They were all there together. There were no stragglers. Nobody hanging back in the open square and was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and the women and those who could understand. There's that word again. And the ears of the people were attentive to the book of the law. The people were giving credence to the book of the law. They were listening hard. They were taking it in as they listened. So Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform which they had made for that purpose and beside him at his right hand stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Urijah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and his left hand was those guys. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people for he was standing above all the people when he opened it and all the people stood up. They had reverence for the word of God. They stood up as Ezra opened the book of the law and he read to them. I love that. I just love this whole passage. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen. Remember, we're going to talk about that. So be it, so be it while lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, these men helped the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So here's the key. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. What a beautiful picture. What a really beautiful picture that's being painted here. The people have gathered all together by the water gate. Ezra is standing on a pulpit before them, a wooden spot, and he's reading the word of God to them. He's reading to the people from morning till midday. He continues to read the law, and they are listening attentively. And around somewhere around noon, probably about five or six hours after listening to the word of God, he blesses the people, he gives praise unto the Lord, and the people respond by lifting their hands and going, amen, amen. So be it, let it be, we agree. They acknowledged that Ezra had made, they acknowledged the Lord. Lifting up their hands unto the Lord, they bowed their faces to the ground, and they began to worship him. This is what happens when the word of the Lord gets into our heart. We bow before him, and we want to worship him. I think it's a real key here, and I think that's something that we make note of, is that they read the word of God distinctly, and then they caused them to understand the meaning. They actually expounded it to them on the scriptures, much like we do here at Calvary Chapel. They read the word, and then they expounded on it. They taught about it. And I told you before, I like to use the inductive method of observation, interpretation, and application. The observation is who, what, where, when, why. The interpretation is, what does it say? What does the Bible say? And then how do you apply it to your life? And we'll get to that in a little bit. So they did all those things. Let's read 9 through 12. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why? Why were the people weeping when they heard the words of the Lord? Conviction. Because that's what the word of the Lord does. It convicts our hearts. 
They were weeping because they knew they hadn't been following the word of the Lord. They were weeping because they knew they hadn't been following God's way. They were weeping because they understood their sin. And that's what the law does for us. When we read the law, we realize that we're sinners. The scripture says, I didn't know you weren't supposed to steal until somebody said, don't steal. I didn't know that was a law. So here they're weeping and they tell them, don't weep. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't weep. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions of those far whom have nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I love that. So the Levites gathered all the people saying, be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. So they're reading the scriptures before them. And as the scriptures were being explained, the people came under godly conviction. Their hearts were convicted of what they were doing and they realized just how far they failed God. They realized just how far they've come up short in keeping the law. And they got on their knees, they started to cry and they started to weep. The word of God sometimes can bring you to tears. The word of God can make you cry, make you weep because you realize just what's going on in your life. They realized their failure before God and they began to weep as the scriptures were read. We know that his word is sharper than a two-edged sword. That's what it says in Hebrews 4.12. It's able to cut between the soul and the spirit. And it cuts deep. And the conviction brings tears to our eyes when we realize how much we have failed. When you read through Romans and Paul gets to the point where he screams out, Oh, wretched man that I am. He's almost weeping because he's so wretched in front of God. He realized his own wretchedness. But the next line is beautiful when he says, But thanks be to Jesus Christ. See, when we realize our wretchedness, it should bring us to the cross. When we realize just how wretched we are, it should bring us to the cross. And we know there's forgiveness in the cross. We know that there's love in the cross. There's mercy in the cross. They said, don't weep. Don't mourn. This is the day of rejoicing because you're making a new covenant with God. And that's what happens when you read the word of God. You Get convicted of your sin, you confess your sin, and you make a new covenant with God. Okay, Lord, I'm going to repent. I'm going to walk and follow you now. I'm going to walk forward and follow you. It's a time of restoration. It's a time of refreshment. It's a time of getting back. He says, go eat the fat, go drink the sweet, and give portions for those who don't have any. I love that. That's what the Word of God does for you, too. It gets you excited, and you want to share. You want to share your love with others. You want to share with those who are less fortunate. You want to share what you have with them. The word of God does that in your heart. He says, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. I love that. I love that. Why? We need that joy. There is joy in the Lord. You shouldn't be a lemon-sucking Christian. What I mean is you shouldn't be an Eeyore Christian. You shouldn't walk around and go, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, boy, this is great. No, you should be joyful. You should be joyful. And when you're joyful, the joy is the strength of the Lord. The joy in the Lord is the strength. God has intended that your life be filled with joy. That's God's will for you. He wants you to be filled with joy. James says, count it all joy, fellows, when you fall into various trials. When you come up against all kinds of things, count it all joy. Peter says, this joy unspeakable. It's joy indescribable, full of glory. Even Jesus said in John 16, 24, that your joy may be full. 
He was walking about in the fullness of joy. A lot of people have a misconception about God, and they think that God wants to lay heavy burdens upon us to make us have to grind through life and barely through. I, I just pray that I'm going to make it to the bitter end. You know, I hope I can adore. No, God wants you to enjoy. It's called the abundant life. God has come that you have life and life more abundantly, Jesus said. It's a command to enjoy. The joy of the Lord shall be your strength. Oh, what joy there is when walking in Jesus Christ. When you're abiding in Jesus Christ, there is no more greater joy in your heart. I hope that you have found that. I hope that you have realized that in your life. I hope that you've accepted that and look at that. But joy should fill your heart when you go from place to place and you understand the word of God. In the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, Acts 8, 8, when they were going forth from city to city doing this, this, it says, and there was great joy in all the city. When people become born again, their heart is filled with joy. There's joy in their life. They receive the word of God. The result of receiving the gospel, weeping, conviction, confession, and great joy. Great joy. I hope you've experienced it. I hope you have it. So they went their way to make their merriment, and all because they understood the word of God, and they received the word of God with gladness. They understood it, and they rejoiced. They gave praises and worship to God. But the next thing they had to do, they had to obey the word of God. They received it. They understood it. They got cut to the heart. They were convicted. They confessed, and now they have to follow the word of God. It's one thing to understand the word of God. It's one to rejoice over the word of God. But if we cannot apply it to our lives, we miss out on what God has for us. God wants us to be able to apply the word of God to our lives. You know, James speaks of this in his epistle in James 1. In James 1, verses 22 through 25, James says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what the kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Blessed than what he does. There's a blessing when you obey the word of God. You know, I preached the word of God. I taught the word of God. I've been doing it here at Calvary Chapel now for some almost 13 years. And as I do it, I look out and I look at you and I see you. And I say things and you hear the word of God. And you agree with me. You shake your head. You go, yeah, you shake my head. You shake your head. You may obey. I hear amen every now and then. We say we ought to read the Bible more. Yeah, we ought to read the Bible more. We ought to pray more. Yeah, we ought to pray more. We ought to witness more. Yeah, we ought to witness more. I think all that's wonderful. Do you do it? I mean, do we do it? We should love each other more. Yeah, we should love each other more. And then I find two people arguing. The Bible is a giant mirror. This is what James said. The Bible's a giant mirror. And when you look in it, we're shown the things that 
we need to get rid of. That's what the word of God does to us. And his spirit works in us and begins to correct us. And what does the Bible do for us? Well, Paul told Timothy this in 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. He said, Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to fables. Wow. Wow. So we teach the word of God. He said reprove, which simply means admonish or convict. He said rebuke is a charge. Rebuke. Don't do that. You have to follow the word of God. Exhort, which is a strong encouragement. And this is what's happening in the next part of Nehemiah. This is what's happening here. Now they've read the word. They understand the word. It's come into their heart. It's quickened their heart. There is conviction. They know the word of God. And now they find out, wait a minute, there's something we have to do. We've got to do something. We don't have to take God's word at its face value and we have to apply it to our lives. We have to be obedient to God's word. The word was doing a great work in the heart of the people. So they had to realize that. Let's look at 13 through 15. Now, on the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses and the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, go out to the mountain and bring olive branches, branches of oil trees, myrtle trees, branches and palm branches, and branches of leafy trees to make booths as it was written. I think it's important. This is a good thing for anyone who wants to be a leader. Leaders need to understand the word of God. Leaders need to walk in the word of God. Their ignorance or disobedience to the word of God affects many, many more people than just the leader because they could lead people astray. It affects everyone that they have influence on. That's why Paul said to Timothy to study to show yourself approved, to study God's word and let it be in you so that you can show yourself approved, a workman worthy of his hire. Show yourself approved. So the first day they had this great big Bible conference. The second day, they're all sitting around and they're looking at this and somebody probably said, uh-oh, what about this? What about this law? They found written in the law of Moses, which the Lord had given him. And this is beautiful. It's simple obedience. Their attitude was, I love this. Their attitude was, God said it, we need to do it. I love that. How simple is that? God said it, it needs to be done. I just love that. What did Jesus said? Love your neighbor. Jesus said it, we need to do it. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Jesus said it, we need to do it. It's as simple as that. These are simple things. Their attitude was, if God said it, we should do it. Even though tradition did not tell them to keep the Feast of... Talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, by the way. It had not been done since the days of Joshua, they said. But they relied on God's word, not on tradition. I love that. I love that. Because if you know, in Jesus' day, Jesus railed at the Pharisees for doing what? Relying on their traditions and not the commands of God. 
These guys were relying on the commands of God in His Word. They were relying on that. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Pastor Dave has been teaching from the book of Nehemiah and sharing the story of how the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt through Nehemiah's great leadership and the blessing of the Lord. Once the wall was fully rebuilt, the people came together for one specific purpose. We read about it in Nehemiah 8, 1-3, which says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. The first thing the people did when the work was complete was to turn to God's Word. The work was all done under the direction and protection of God, and going to His Word when it was done brought God glory. When you're done with the work, don't forget to worship. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. If you want to hear more teachings from Pastor Dave, simply head on over to AssureHopeRadio.com. Once again, that's AssureHopeRadio.com. You'll find archived teachings and links to our live stream on Facebook and YouTube. And with that, we'll see you next time on A Sure Hope.